1: It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be
2: the fin side. It's, it ain't the left side. Thank you, or Solo right D. Side. Welcome to another episode of On the Thin Side here with Cat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker iTunes, YouTube iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Brian on Twitter. And Paul is fanatic underscore pick. So finally we're here. The off season is with us now we we can start taking a look at free agency and the NFL draft finally after a pretty grueling season here with a with a very surprising result being the Patriots in the final week but what Paul and I are going to do is take a look at the at 10 free agents that could be good fits for the Miami Dolphins as free agency approaches here in March a lot of things are going to happen till then and then we're going to have the draft after that we'll have coverage on both as the off season progresses but Paul before we get into that there were even though we haven't compared lists and we're in the dark on who our top 10 is the two things that I know we're in agreement on here is number one we don't have any quarterbacks on this list because we either feel we feel Ryan Fitzpatrick will be that veteran or he's going to retire and the Dolphins are going to completely rely on the draft. We expect him to be back here in 2020. And number two, we don't have anybody on this list over 30 years old. We try to stay away from them as well because this is, let's face it, a rebuilding team that's going to see the fruits of its labor, not necessarily in 2020, but uh, over a period of the next three years. So at quarterback, you, you do have a lot of guys hitting the market here. I mean, you've got, you've got believe it or not, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Ryan Tannehill, Philip Rivers, Teddy Bridgewater, a lot of these quarterbacks, and also Derek Carr and Matt Stafford may be available by trade to this offseason. So, are, are you still there as far as the quarterback is concerned? Uh, where you've got Ryan Fitzpatrick being the veteran or nobody?
1: As far as my top ten, yes, uh, it, that that's that's what I'll say on that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's you know I, I don't want. Most of those guys to come in, I I don't feel that they'd be a significant upgrade or responsible cap spending to, to get a minimal bit of placeholder out of at this point in
2: time. Yeah, I think if you get one of them, if, I think the only two that would even I could say with a straight face would be a significant upgrade would be Tom Brady or. Drew Brees and a lot of people would disagree with me on Brady and I don't even know if it would be significant and Brady's been the villain for the last 18 years or so Drew Brees is somebody the Dolphins should have gotten 15 years ago didn't and it would be so Dolphins if uh, you signed Drew Brees finally and Drew Brees can't play at 40 years old anymore anyway I think Brady and Brees would retire before going to another team anyway and obviously you're not going to bring back Ryan Tannehill and as far as the veterans are concerned I don't see them turning around and, and spending $20 million on Phillip Rivers or Teddy Bridgewater when I don't even know for sure if they're an upgrade over Fitzpatrick. So we can get take quarterback out of the equation for now. Paul, let's start at the bottom of your list here. Who is the 10th guy on your list?
1: Well, the 10th guy on my list is a guy that, that Brian Flores has a lot of familiarity with from up in New England. Uh, it's, it's at an area of need for me. A lot of this, this board that I have, shocker alert, is going to be um, related to the areas of need along the offensive line, along the pass rush uh, on the defensive side of the ball, with a few other things peppered in. And, and, and at number 10, I've got Kyle Van Noy from the Patriots. He, he's six three two fifty. 250. He can play the run. He had six and a half sacks this season for that Pats defense. And Brian Flores knows his strength and weakness as well and knows how to deploy him in defensive end. I think we can all agree has been a huge area of need for these dolphins as well as, as even the outside linebacker pass rush and Calvin. Van Noy can really do some good things for this defense down the stretch next year.
2: Yeah. A lot of familiarity there. I mean, he's 28 going on 29. So, but he's also not somebody who relies on completely on speed either. So he could have a, I could see him coming here three or four years and, and having certainly an impact, especially with his familiarity in the defense. 10 on my list is offensive tackle. And I emphasize offensive tackle, Andres Pete, because he is a guard and he's played guard for the New Orleans Saints since he was drafted in 2015. Funny story, I was actually uh, at the 2015 draft and Andres Pete's grandmother. Uh, was in the elevator with me going up, and she was sad because all the Saints fans hated that they drafted an offensive lineman. Uh, but now it, there's a lot of differing opinions on this guy. and he, Saints fans can't stand him. Uh, maybe it's because he was drafted, but also, too, he hasn't graded out very well by PFF. He gets pushed around a lot because he's built so tall. But at Stanford, he, was, he became the 13th overall pick in the 2015 draft by playing specifically at left tackle. And you're not going to see many left tackles, if any, out there on the free agent market. So I think that if you sign Andres Pete, you may be able to start him at left tackle for a much cheaper price than you would have gotten five years ago when he came out of Stanford. And in a worst-case scenario, he can kick back inside the guard. The Dolphins are going to have needs at both positions. Paul, back to you for number nine.
1: Well, since I outlined all of this about the offensive line, about pass rush, I did neglect one area. That's truly a need for the Dolphins, and, and that's the running back position. And it seems hilarious to me because if you go back to our draft coverage from a few years back, I was 100% against this guy as a player, uh, as, as, as a fit for the Dolphins. I thought he was going to wash out. I'll take that one right on the chin. But Derek Henry, you look at the very special way that he has played this season, and I know you've alluded to the fact that Tannehill's elevated his game uh, based on the play of Derrick Henry. But I'd also argue, looking at his stat line, Derrick Henry's play improved a little bit once Tannehill took off. And, and, and so I think they've both fed off of each other. But you get Derrick Henry in here, you've already got a receiving threat at running back and Patrick Laird. And, and, and Derrick Henry is very much not a receiving threat. But the guy's been a monster. He's gone for 100-plus in five of his last six games. He did miss a game, uh, so it's over a seven-game stretch. Three of those games, he went over 150. He's had 10 touchdowns since in his last six games. He's gone over 200 yards one game. He's averaging 20 attempts per game up for the season, 1,500-plus yards, 16 touchdowns, and averaging 5.1 yards per carry. I'm going to sign up for that all day. And the fact that we're running this spread offense now, or probably running the spread offense, let's face it. I mean, Shane Gailey runs it. We, we know we're going to, but let's say probably because stranger things happened. Now you'd have Derrick Henry in the backfield with a spread out defense to deal with. And it would just elevate the play of the receivers, and it would give Derrick Henry a great chance coming out of that backfield. And it really could be a great matchup for this team.
2: I have at number nine also Derrick Henry, and I'm surprised. I thought you may have had him a little bit higher on your list um, because of how dominant he played here at the end of the year. I mean, you you gave a lot of great stats. I I had a few of my own here, and this is a great thing about us having separate lists that we can compare, is over the last seven games, my calculations were – 171 carries for over 1,100 yards on 13 touchdowns over the last seven games of the season, 6.47 yards a carry for a playoff team. And he is every bit the reason they're in the playoffs. Uh, I would put him in the top five of MVPs this year. Um, Now, even though I expect the Titans to probably re-sign him, I I think that could be the case with a few players on this list. Uh, He's played at a dominant level here this year. And, my only concern with him is in two years, if he carries the ball three hundred plus times again per year, is this guy going to be cooked after a couple of years here? So, you've you've got that, and but what's what's what I like on this too, is that uh, that that when you look at Henry, if they were to sign him they could legitimately go into the offseason at running back, wide receiver, and tight end with all this money and all these draft picks and not even have to spend anything on them if they add a, a, a big 1,500-yard run running back like Derrick Henry.
1: I'm with you on that, it, and, and that's one of the themes of my list It is really setting themselves up to go into the draft to have damn near no needs per se, and be able to go BPA as they move up and down the board, which we know they're going to do. It's been a staple of Chris Greer's. He's a big fan of making moves and trying to accumulate and, you know, go after his guys, et cetera. And Derrick Henry, the reason I think he could shake free, believe it or not, is Ryan Tannehill. I know Tannehill has played well because he's had that compliment in Derrick Henry, but he also has elevated his level of play. And the Titans are a team that knows how hard it is to find a reliable franchise quarterback. He's going into free agency at the same time as Derrick Henry. And because of the fact that Tannehill is entering free agency, as great as Derrick Henry has been, and you've said it yourself, you can find a running back. It may not be Derrick Henry, but you can find a running back. You cannot find your quarterback that easily. And and it, every indication is the Titans have found the guy that they want at quarterback in Ryan Tannehill. They're not positioned to go after one of these top guys in the draft. Their path of least resistance, if they can't come to a long-term deal with Tannehill, believe it or not, may be to franchise the guy, which may allow Derrick Henry to test the market. Yeah, and it's it's literally just a positional value, as far as quarterback or running back goes. That that Derrick Henry may be out there available.
2: That that's quite possible. And yeah, if if they were to, if I'm the Titans, I would absolutely try to re-sign Ryan Tannehill for as long as you can right now. And and for our listeners, please understand this too: just because Tannehill play is playing well in Tennessee, doesn't mean he would have played well here in Miami. I've said time and time again, I'm not. it would have been foolish for Steve Ross to base the coaching search based on which fourth coach was going to give Ryan Tannehill an eighth season with, with the organization. But good for him that he, he's gotten healthy and had a hell of a year. Derrick Henry's been a big part of that. And you're right, if you, spend, if, if you re-sign Tannehill, it's probably going to be 25 30 million a year and that's going to limit what you can do with Derrick Henry because I, I think he's going to get somewhere around $10 million a year too. Paul, I'm going to kick it back to you for number eight.
1: This was an easy one for me. We talk about the offensive line needing to be upgraded. Joe Tooney of the Patriots, he's, he's one of the premier guards in football. I know we've talked about the writing being on the wall up there in New England. Tom Brady may be out the door. Uh, Bill Belichick is not getting any younger. I would not be shocked if Joe Tinnany tests the market, and I think he would easily be an upgrade. And I'm going to go with it the right guard position, definitely not the left guard position, uh, for this offense that that struggled on the interior so dramatically over the past. God, I can't even remember the last time it was really reliable in the middle of the, the offensive line.
2: So, Paul, I'm going to follow up with you on that. The left, so, Joe Tooney's only played left guard for mm-hmm. the Patriots, and I believe he only played left guard at, at NC State, too. Why would mm-hmm. you be against him playing left guard again?
1: I'll get to that. Don't don't you worry.
2: Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. I, I think you... I, I think I blew it right there. but uh.
1: <laughs> yeah, you did. Don't you blow up my spot.
2: <laughs> I got, um, we're only okay, at number eight. I, I, I got more
1: linemen on my list. I got more fat guys than you know what to do with here.
2: Th- that makes more sense, then. My number eight guy is going to be Eric Armstead for the 49ers. Armstead in 2015 was a first-round pick, very tall, very skinny guy. and was only 20 years old, so it was – a bigger project than I think the 49ers knew knew at the time but finally here this past year he started to, to put it all together uh, double digit sacks he's 6'6", 300 and he's somebody too that when you look at the Dolphins and their need to get pressure on the quarterback it, it may not fit in this defense to get a, a Cameron Wake or a Robert Quinn type of player that's why they got rid of them here in the first place but Eric Armstead can combine with Christian Wilkins and with Davin Gotcha on that defensive line, give you a lot of snaps and, and fix a major hole in two different areas. One is a pass rusher, and number two as your third guy down on the line. So he, he's somebody that should get paid very handsomely here this off season. Paul, you're number seven.
1: My number seven here is a guy that I had a little bit higher last time we did this, but I'm going to flip to the other side of the ball from where I've been uh, the last two picks. And we outline the need for the outside linebacker, DE hybrid, being able to rush the passer. One of the great young guys that's out there on the market this year, or should be on the market this year, is Yannick Ngukwe of the Jaguars. I mean, he's not a big guy, 6'2", 246. He can put his hand in the dirt. He can rush the passer. He can drop back to outside linebacker a little bit and, and rush from there, or mm, probably play some zone coverage a little more than man. but he had eight sacks on the season for a team that most of the time teams were running the ball against because they didn't have a lead as often as they should have down the stretch. Yeah. And and really he he still had six pass defense. He had an interception and and he, he added 41 tackles to the mix. He's a guy that I think Flores could elevate the play from and get his best football out of, as opposed to what he's doing in Jacksonville, which was an underachieving team on the whole this season.
2: Very popular name, and this past off season he uh, was a was a holdout. At, uh, very few players are holdouts at twenty three years old over over contract. So uh, now actually he's twenty four this past off season, but just turned twenty four. But either way, my number seven on my list is going to be Brandon Scher for the for the Redskins, and I'd imagine he's a little bit higher on your list. Uh, than he is for me. I I, I think Scherf is a f- fantastic player, and I think that the odds are very high he won't be back with the Redskins because they've got a lot of dead money tied up to other players. And Scherf they offered already uh, reportedly 13 million a year, and he turned it down. So he's going to get paid very handsomely. So he may be the best in best plug and play type on this list because he at right guard, you can put him in a right guard. You could possibly move Jesse Davis to another position, but the reason I've got him a little bit lower than two other offensive linemen on this list is he's going to be 29, just a few months into his first year with the Miami dolphins. If if they were to sign him, he's already having injury problems. I mean, he hasn't had a thousand snaps in a season, um since 2016 and uh, you, you see a lot of other players on this list uh, they they do have that durability and and they have played a thousand snaps every year he's missed 15 of his last 42 games so it's not a slam dunk but if you're telling me brandon Scherf is going to play at the same level and he's going to be healthy for the next three years he probably would be number one or number two on this list for me so paul who's number six for you
1: Number six for me, and, and and I wanted to have him higher. I had him higher last time around, but really we need a little more stability and reliability in this secondary. And and he did have a bit of a down year this year, but again he played for an absolute dumpster fire in, in the Dallas Cowboys. Byron Jones, who can play safety, he can play corner, he can be a flexible piece in that secondary, so he doesn't limit what you do in this draft. I, I think he could come in here. He he can play the run. He, he's one. Phenomenal athlete, and you know he's one year removed from from a spectacular season, and I would love to see him come in. He's not going to cost you as much as he would have if he'd been a free agent after last year, and he's an immediate upgrade over a lot of what we have in the secondary. So I'd love to see Byron, the ex-UConn player, end up in Miami.
2: Um shockingly we've uh we've got our second one where we've got him in the exact same free agency spot i've got byron jones there at number six as well and you hit on a lot of great points there and yeah he didn't have a he didn't have quite the year he he had when he was a in all pro here a couple of years ago but still still a pretty solid year there cornerback and it's it's more of a compliment sometimes when a guy doesn't have four or five interceptions a year because a lot of times they're being avoided but Him opposite Xavier Howard, provided Howard's situation, quote-unquote, doesn't turn from bad to worse, then I, I think you've got two really good cornerbacks at 27 years old, that, that can grow together here for the next three or four years. And, and I like what you said, too, about safety, because what I like in some of these free agents is if you sign them for a specific role and that role doesn't work out, is there a backup plan? And with Byron Jones, I would say yes. I, I could very easily see him and toward the back end of his career as he gets uh, on the wrong side of 30. I could see him playing free safety, potentially teamed with Eric Rowe at that point. So, yeah, I've got, I've got Byron Jones there at six.
1: And and one other thing I want to add there too that that I love about the idea of signing Jones is if you sign Jones with the fact that Miami's picking fifth in the in the draft here, it doesn't turn you away from drafting a Jeff Acuda because you still have a role for Byron in this defense if you draft Akuda, who by all accounts and by all all, all research I've done thus far could be a generational talent at, at corner to pair opposite Xavier Howard, then suddenly you've got Byron Jones at safety in the mix with Eric Rowe, Adrian Colbert, or possibly even somebody else that you could pick up in free agency because there are some safeties available in free agency too that, that could enter the mix and be an upgrade. But for me at number five, I've got Matt Judon, the outside linebacker from Baltimore. This guy's got nine and a half sacks, 54 tackles. He may end up getting franchised by the Ravens. Fans are pounding the table to to sign him to an extension now, and there's a reason for that. He's a young, ascending player that, that had nine-and-a-half sacks rushing the passer and managed to add the, the 54 tackles, can play the run, and, and absolute nightmare matchup for opposing offenses. Matt Judon would be a hell of an, an upgrade over a Taco Charlton, over a Charles Harris, you name it. And Miami's got the, the cap space to make the move to get him.
2: Yeah, and Judon made his first Pro Bowl this past year. He, he's somebody, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, I didn't have on my list, but was very close. He was uh, in my honorable mentions. It, and he may be a better fit than some of these other pass rushers you see on the market because he, he's somebody he, he dropped over in pass coverage over 100 times. He's a bigger guy, uh, you know, six six three and a half, two hundred and sixty 260 pounds. So uh, he's not that just pin your ears back and get to the quarterback type that, that some of these other guys in free agency are. So he'll be interesting to see if, if he shakes loose. My one concern with Judon is that some of these, these outside linebackers who have left the Baltimore Ravens have always um, have uh, a lot of them like Terrell Suggs, like, like Pernell McPhee, a couple other guys haven't had quite the same success elsewhere. And if Judon were 25 or 26 instead of going to be 28, then I I probably think a little bit different too. Anyway, number five on my list is somebody you've mentioned. It's Joe Tooney, and he is he's an interesting guy because back in our draft coverage a few years ago, we talked about him a lot. C.K. Parrott absolutely loved him and wanted him as a second rounder. Patriots ended up taking him in the third round and he's turned out to be one of the best in the league. The only player in NFL history to start on three straight teams that went to the Super Bowl in his first three years in the league. And over the last three years, or excuse me, last four years now, because this playoff hasn't happened yet, but in his four years in New England, he has missed only 21 snaps out of a possible 5,240. So very, very durable. He's 6'5", 308, smart player. I don't think he's quite the talent that Brandon Scherf is, but still a very, very solid player. The question is going to be come down to: Do you want to pay somebody like this nine or ten million a year, or do you think you can get a similar type of player there in the draft?
1: Yeah, I, I, I think you may be able to get a similar-ish player, but. Again, the draft is still a crapshoot. You don't know for certain, no matter how much research you do, if a lot of these guys are going to translate to the NFL. I don't want to use the first-round resource on a guard to be sure. And you know what Joe Tooney is. You know what he's going to come in and do. And this offensive line has been an Achilles heel for this team. You get a reliable offensive line. And suddenly, even even if you're down to Josh Rosen, Josh Rosen – could be a good player behind a good offensive line. And and adding a Joe Tooney would definitely help with that. But I'm going to stick to the the defensive side of the ball here. And Justin Simmons, the safety from from Denver, has had a standout year. It has elevated his level of play going into his his free agency. He's got 65 tackles, four interceptions, 15 passes defense, and just has played – amazing football this year and if if you end up with jeff Akuda, byron jones justin simmons bobby mccain eric rowe and Xavier howard in that secondary you're in a great place or if god forbid the unthinkable happens from Xavier howard's issues you you still have jeff akuta and byron jones on the perimeter you've got bobby mccain eric rowe and justin simmons now uh manning the safety spot so really just I think he could be even more of a standout with more talent around him uh, in Miami secondary. If, if it comes down to that,
2: man, oh man, you made, you're making my job pretty easy here today, Paul, because number four on my list also is Justin Simmons. And what I like about him in addition to the talent level, I mean, this is somebody that, again, we only reference PFF on the show. If it jumps out, he has a grade of over 90 at free safety, one of their top rated players. I I do think he'll be a big priority for the Broncos to re-sign, but he, he's not going to be cheap either. I mean, could see this guy getting over $10 million a year. Free safety is very important in this Patriots-style defense. You see what Devin McCourty did in New England. I mean, this is a potential Hall of Fame-type player in New England. He'll also be a free agent, but he's on the wrong side of 30. But if you sign Justin Simmons a free safety – and you've got Eric Rhodes, strong safety. You've got Xavier Howard, a corner. And now you can move Bobby McCain back to to the fifth cornerback spot. And you've also got Nick Needham and Jamal Wilts on the team. It would be important to still find that boundary cornerback, but I feel pretty confident Brian Flores would be able to do that. Paul, number three for you.
1: Let's get back to some fat guys here. And, and, and I'm still going to stay on the defensive side of the ball. And I know it's a guy that you love and I'm pretty sure it's probably going to show up on your list as, as we continue to move up. But Chris Jones, the defensive end from Kansas city, nine sacks, 36 tackles. He's a 300 plus pounder. You know, you can play him at three, four defensive end. He, he can be a little more of that run stuffer that can still rush the pass. He's very young. And I just, I, I love him as a Flores fit. I mean, you look what they did with sealer uh, a couple of weeks ago. And you get a way more talented player in Chris Jones, and he can just dominate in in this floor as defense. So Chris Jones, with an exclamation point, uh, I think he's one of the guys that Miami really needs to go after
2: hard this year. Number three for me is going to be somebody you mentioned, Yannick Ngakwe. He is 24 years old now. He won't be – in fact, he'll be 24 when free agency starts in March. I think his birthday is at the end of March. So, incredible numbers for for this point in his career. I mean, thir- over 3,000 snaps, 37.5 sacks, 15 forced fumbles, and somebody that he's he's been more of a pass rusher at this point in his career, which may go a little bit against what Flores is looking for out of an impact player on the front seven, but... When he has dropped back in coverage, I've I've seen some film. I, I think I think he's done a pretty good job, or he he's at least shown the ability to do it. And, and that's a big important point here with the Dolphins pass rush. They did not get a lot of sacks on the air. They did not put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. And if you don't come out of free agency in the draft with all these resources, without that pass rusher, you you. That better not be an excuse here at the end of the 2020 season because you had more than enough resources in the draft and in free agency for that. So I think they do have to come away with, with one guy, maybe even two. Yannick Ngakwe is going to be paid very handsomely here in, in this offseason.
1: He really is. And, and and sliding up to number two on my list, i got a guy we've beat the table for over and over throughout the the regular season, this should come as no surprise to anybody out there. But Jack Conklin, right tackle from, from the Titans. Again, I think he's a guy that slips free here. He could finally give us that bookend piece that a healthy Juwan James should have before, before getting let, let walk. And Jack Conklin, he's on the right side of 30. He's still an ascending player. He's a very, very good right tackle. And Miami needs to solidify the tackle position. I know there's a lot of good tackles in this draft, but again, I I haven't hit a left tackle yet on my list. So if you go into the draft with a want to upgrade center and a well a need to upgrade the left tackle position, this is a draft that, that's very thick at the left tackle position. So that's, believe it or not, a little bit easier to fill this year than it should be in most. But you've got to solidify the rest of that line, so you're not having to spend, you know, half your 14 resources trying to rebuild this offensive line and hoping and praying you don't whiff.
2: Number two on my list is Jack Conklin. Uh, this is somebody that I, I think we're higher on than a lot of other people are, and I, I don't quite. Look, I kind of get it as to why. You know, we we've always prioritized right tackle. I think a lot more than our listeners and other people have. My big thing with him is I think there are a lot of misconceptions about him. I think when I mention him as one of the agents I really want, I, I get kind of bashed on Twitter about it. I mean, when I say Chris Jones or Justin Simmons or Brandon Scherf, everyone's in agreement, everybody likes it. When I say Conklin, it's no, no, no. And, and the reasons that they tend to give is he's injury prone, he's not a great athlete, and he's a player, this is the big one, that the Titans did not extend a fifth-year offer to. But there's a very specific reason for that. He's had kind of an interesting career. He was drafted in 2016. They drafted him over Laramie Tunzel when he was falling in that draft, eighth overall. He was an all-pro as a rookie. And then in his second year in 2017, he had another great year. But at the end of that year, in the playoffs, in the second round of the playoffs, he tears his ACL. So not only does that put him out of the playoffs, but in 2018, it puts him out for what we thought would be half the season, he missed three games. They forced him in early. He played terribly. He got a concussion. So a terrible nightmare twenty eighteen season for Jack Conklin for good reason. Then they don't they don't extend the fifth year offer to him. they because they've got Taylor Lewan at left tackle who's been a Pro Bowler, and Dennis Kelly at right tackle has been an underrated player for them too. So they didn't extend that offer where it would have been about fourteen million a year. <laughs> So, because of that, he's expected to hit free agency, and I think he is a fantastic player, and I think he's rounding back into that twenty sixteen form um, that that he showed that he showed when he was a rookie. Another thing, too, I love these, just like with Justin Simmons, I love these signings where you get definitely better at two positions. I don't want to see Jesse Davis out there at right tackle next year. I know he played a little better than we thought, but I I think he's a much better fit as a guard. You sign Conklin, you move Jesse Davis to right guard, I think you've got the right side of your line taken care of here for the next several years, and you can focus a little more exclusively on left tackle, left guard, and center. So, He's going to be paid handsomely. Um, it, one other thing about him too is, is, is that I think is a misconception too is that he, he, he's not very good in pass protection. That is bullshit. He's led up four sacks this year. Three of them were in one game to Josh Allen, who had double digit sacks as a rookie, and two of those in that three, this, two of those three sacks uh, were when Mariota was at quarterback. You watch those plays. Mariota takes the snap and basically runs right into Josh Allen. Conklin really couldn't do anything about that. So he, he's somebody that we've certainly banged the table on here for. Paul, finally, I, I suspect by process of elimination, I know who is number one on your list, but I'll let you go ahead.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think it's a big secret to anybody uh, on our listener base, et cetera. And, and I think the only secret and surprise for you is is the fact that I've got him tabbed at left guard in, in Brandon Sherr. Brandon Scherf came up with the Hawkeyes playing left guard. He slid into left tackle as a sophomore uh, when Riley Reif went down. And, and really, I know the Redskins flipped him the right guard. The Redskins are not known for making the best decisions over the course of uh, my 40 years on earth. So it, it's I'd love to see him slide back to that left guard position. And I think it slots Jesse Davis where he needs to be as as that swing guard swing tackle uh backup that suddenly miami's got a very very good backup in jesse davis as opposed to a very very meh starter in jesse davis but suddenly you've got an offensive line going into the draft that's jack conklin at right tackle joe tooney at right guard yes we still have kilgore at center uh, but you may be able to look at michael dieter there brandon scherf at left guard. And the question mark of the revolving door at left tackle. And that's a hell of a lot better offensive line. I think Dan Kilgore suddenly turns into a hell of a lot lot better player stuffed in between Joe Tooney and Brandon Scherf going into next season. And I don't care who your running back is. If you can't run the ball with, with those three additions to the offensive line, you don't belong in the NFL, period. And yes, I, I, I definitely think Miami still needs to upgrade at the running back position in this
2: scenario. So when you mentioned Joe Tooney at right guard, when you, you said him early in your list, I was confused. And now that you just explained that, I'm a little more confused because I, I'm not quite understanding if you get, if you signed Tooney and you signed Scherf. Scherf has only played right guard with the Redskins and Yep. Tunney has only played left guard with the Patriots in his career. Why would you flip him?
1: Mainly because of Scherf for me. It's Scherf's the bigger priority. Scherf's the better guard. And I think as good as Scherf has played at right guard for the Redskins, he was even better playing at the left guard position in college. And I'm I'm not one of these people that at the guard position a lot of times buys into like, oh, this guy at that one, he, he can only play that one. I. To me, I think Tooney can can slot into right guard just fine. And Brandon Scherf is the better talent, and I think he's better at left guard than he is at right guard. Am I upset with with a flip flop in the other direction? Not a bit. Not a bit at all. But I just I you know, watching tape on, on, on Scherf, I loved him at Iowa at left guard. I love the fact that he can kick out to left tackle in a pinch, even though I'd love to keep him interior. I just, I want to see him on that left side of the line. I want to see a left side of the line that's impenetrable. And that starts with the middle of that, that left side. And, and I think Brandon Scherf just cannot be moved. If you bull rush, you can't move him. You, you cannot move him uh, for 90% of these defensive tackles in the league. And to me, protecting the blind side for, for most of these quarterbacks is is huge and they still need to upgrade that left tackle position as well coming out of my list. But I just I, I like Scherf better over there, so for me, nine or ten million, I'm pretty sure you can probably convince Tooney to play right guard, and I'm not upset with a flip flop of the two, but I just like the idea better.
2: Yeah, I I can see your point there on Scherf maybe being left guard, and that frees Jesse Davis up to move kick inside to right guard. That that would make some sense. If you signed both of them for ten to fifteen million a year and immediately switched in positions, I, th- then I'd be a little bit confused. But that that's that's. That's a subject. You can for another be confused.
1: Day. You'll see it. You'll you'll see it if it happens. And
2: uh, yeah, I guess I, I I don't think it'll happen. <laughs> that's 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 my point. But uh, uh I, okay. The but uh, the bigger part. Uh, that's the picket splitting hairs here. The bigger thing is, you've got three, offensive linemen that we really hope hit the market, and that we we've identified them several times for several months. Jack Conklin, Joe Tooney, and Brandon Scherf. I'll say this, if you if you end up signing all three of those guys, I am fine with you sitting out the rest of free agency other than picking up a few guys, because that will mean that you're spending really your entire draft on the defensive side of the ball and a quarterback, which I would be perfectly fine with. And, and left they, tackle. Yeah, and tackle. Yeah, you'd need a left tackle, too. That That's correct. I, I'd be surprised if they came away with all three of them. I'd be surprised if they came away with two of them, but you've you've certainly got to get one of them, um, and, and we're not yeah. sure if all three of them are, are, are even going to hit the market. But out of those three guys, you absolutely have to nail one because otherwise, Paul, you may get stuck in a position where you get to the draft and you you know you're picking three four times in the top thirty nine picks, and you may be pushed into a corner where you have to draft two offensive linemen.
1: You really might, and I I don't want to be stuck. Uh... Miami's probably going to have to take a few offensive linemen no matter what. A couple developmental guys, um, a left tackle, uh, take a swing at at, at at anybody that can play center that you think can be reliable there. I mean, it's and that's even with the addition of the these three if you're able to get them. So, I know Miami's got 14 draft picks. There's a lot I want to see Miami do with those. And and doing some mock drafts already, it's if you do a lot to fix the offensive line in free agency. These mock drafts get a whole lot sexier at the end because you're not trying to dump early day one, day two resources into fixing this offensive line. And, you know, if you're going to get a rookie quarterback, you, you need to upgrade this offensive line. You don't want to see a guy get knocked gun shy because he doesn't have anybody to protect him. If you're going to go with Josh Rosen, which is a possibility as much as fans may not love it, if you're going to go with Josh Rosen, we've never seen Josh Rosen play behind an offensive line that doesn't have him decked every single play. And, and, and so, you know, you look back at college, he he did a hell of a lot better there with a little bit of protection. So he might be a guy that in this spread offense, if he gets some protections able to do some fun things and he's got the talent. So he really you have to upgrade this offensive line. If, if if you don't, it doesn't matter what you do at the quarterback position.
2: Yeah, I'm with you on that. And the Dolphins also would have an option, too. Say, say they did sign, let's say, Joe Tooney and Jack Conklin. I, I still think that would be optimistic, simply because there's so many teams in the league and there's so much money thrown around, and these guys could end up getting re-signed anyway. If you did that... It, then you can have the option of saying, "Okay, we're going to go in the draft, we're going to draft a left tackle in the first round, and we're going to draft a center uh, like like Creed Humphrey at the end of the first round too." Now you have now you can say we have a dominant potentially offensive line, mm-hmm. and and that's a great thing. So yeah, there, there are a lot of options. It'll be interesting to see where they spread those resources out, but it puts added pressure on this team right now with this spread offense and with using a lot of heavy wide receiver formations to get the pass protection, right? Because if you go into next season using four or five wide receivers as often as they probably will, I, I don't care who plays quarterback for you, whether it's Fitzpatrick or whether it's Rosen, whether that's it's somebody still in college right now that that guy's got to get killed.
1: He is. And, that that actually leads me into my honorable mentions here because uh, one of the first guys on my honorable mentions hit that that didn't make my top 10 list but was close was probably my only 30-plus guy on the list. But, but Anthony Costanzo, if he hits free agency, can come in and be that stopgap at, at left tackle that lets you either draft a developmental guy at left tackle that you think can be dominant in a few years lets you hold off till the following off season when maybe you can convince Laramie Tunzel to come back if he
2: does not good franchise.
1: Maybe you can go ahead and get that left tackle in the following draft with one of those early picks that you've got. I mean, it, it's, it, it lets you delay decisions on that left tackle position. If you were able to get a Costanzo, he just didn't make my list here. Um And then just a couple other guys I want to really quickly touch on two that are Consolation prizes. uh Kyle Fackerel, the Packers. He's a guy that I know Miami looked at previously and weren't able to bring into the building. I think he's a guy that could come in and, and, and help out if you're not if you whiff on all the other dens and linebackers on my list. Uh, another one if you whiff on Justin Simmons, maybe Von Bell of the Saints. And believe it or not, and I I, I only added this guy to my list after the Chan signing because I think he's got the skill set to play very well in the Chan offense, especially given his development over this past year. I don't think it happens. I'm prefacing it with that. But the one guy that could potentially be an upgrade over Ryan Fitzpatrick in a Chan offense would probably be Ryan Tannehill. Um, and as goofy as that sounds, He's having a resurgent year um, with the Titans right now. He's mobile in the pocket. He's able to run and take off with the ball, which is absolutely a staple of this spread offense. And he's protecting the football and playing absolutely lights out right now as far as it goes in the NFL. So stranger things have happened. I don't see it happening. But I wouldn't be opposed to the idea like I would have been a year ago when they first departed. Are parted ways with Tannehill, and it's like you know what if you're going to do that, you don't bring it back, but stranger yeah. things have happened I, I i wouldn't hate the idea
2: yeah i i, I mean i, I well, let me tell you this let me tell you this um if they spend seven million dollars to try to trade Ryan Tannehill for a fourth round pick and mm-hmm. uh he somehow hits free agency and they sign him for thirty million dollars a year, I'm done. I'm 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 finished that, that that that's a level of of stupidity I don't think I'll be able to I'll be able to to uh, to understand but I will say this as a fit yeah he is a good fit but I, I I'm glad you said that you don't think it's going to happen uh on there too because good for Ryan Tannehill but that 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 would I I think would would make the Dolphins the biggest joke in the NFL if they were to do that Um uh, so I'm glad you said that you don't actually think it's going to happen but how about another player though Paul it, it, oh, and by the way, before I got I rambled on for so long, Chris Jones is my number one guy, and we talked about that throughout oh. the episode yeah. <laughs> so, no, no, that's that's my fault that's not your fault, I, I rambled on about so many other players um, another guy, too, that's going to hit the market I'll, I'll put you on the spot here a little bit is is Melvin Gordon and he's not on, on our list He's. I'll get to my honorable mentions here in a minute um, but He's somebody that's going to hit free agency this year. He held out this year. The Dolphins are going to be looking for a running back, obviously. He's probably not going to get the $10 million he wanted last year when he held out. But maybe around $8 million could possibly happen. What What do you think? Is that somebody that, that you'd consider?
1: Consider, yes. Would I love the idea? No. I think he'd play well for us. But, again, it's, it's – Derrick Henry is so lights out right now that that's the only reason he made my list. Gordon would be a fallback for me at, at, at best. And I, there are so many prospects I love in the draft this year. I want to spend two resources at the position in the draft. And I'd rather do that than spend 8 million on Melvin Gordon. But again, he'd do well in this offense.
2: Yeah. He's somebody I think would be, Is the way I, I, I go back and forth on that a little bit is uh, is, number one, this is an organization that, like we said with Ryan Tannehill, spent $5 million to get a fourth-round pick for Tannehill. It's pretty much what they did. They spent another four-and-a-half in the Akib Tlaib trade to basically buy a fifth-round pick, and they spent a little over a million to eat up some of Robert Quinn's salary to get a sixth-round pick. So it, it, it would make sense to get a good player in Gordon at running back, and then you're not spending what we would think is probably a second or third rounder on a running back and probably going out and signing like a Jordan Howard for 4 or $5 million a year, too. So from a value perspective there, that makes a little bit more sense. But I also get back to as well, this is a guy that's averaged under four yards a carry, four of his five years in the NFL. He's got a lot of hits. It's a young man's position, and he's tw- he'll be 28 years old here in the upcoming year. So that's that's one thing I, I look at, but just wanted to pick your brain on that. A couple other honorable mentions for me uh, as, as we look look here is two offensive linemen drafted in 2015, left tackle DJ Humphreys and Lions guard uh, Graham uh, Glasgow uh, could be somebody that, that you get kind of on that second tier. DJ Humphreys has been hurt a lot as a pro, but had his best year, actually put together 16 games. Um, if they feel they're in Arizona that you can you can spread things out a little bit more and it takes some pressure off left tackle, you could see him going. Graham Glasgow is just a very solid center guard, massive at 6'7", 320, can play center and guard, so gives you some options there too. Also, former uh, – uh, Patriots cornerback and current Titans cornerback Logan Ryan is uh, 29, but had four sacks, four interceptions, made a lot of big plays this year for the Titans, can fit in the slot, play on the boundary, maybe even play some free safety a little bit later in his career too. So we're going to have a a lot more breakdowns here as far as the NFL draft and a couple sleeper-free agents that we've got here. We'll, we'll be sure to pile some shows together on that. We'd love to hear your opinion on our social media outlets too. Uh, I am Brian Kat. Paul is fanatic. I'm Brian Kat NFL on Twitter. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. You can follow us on the Fin side on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Check out our merch store on the Fin side. com. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it's on the Fin side. Solo D, take us home. It
1: ain't the left side for the right side and it
0: must be the fence side it ain't the left side for the right side and it must be the fence love listen now for across the land all tuning in to see what Brian, cat and paul about to do again save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app